Hello and welcome to this Tech UK podcast. I'm Dan Patefield and I lead the cybersecurity programme, which supports growth across the UK cyber ecosystem with around 250 member companies, all with a shared goal of increasing cyber resilience across all parts of the UK economy. Over the coming months, we'll be digging a bit deeper into some of those key challenges and opportunities facing the cybersecurity sector into 2024 and beyond. And we're absolutely delighted to be doing that in partnership with Tech UK member BlackBerry. Senior representatives from BlackBerry will be joining us to discuss their insight from what they see across their wide ranging custom base and service offerings. Those practical examples and case studies are always useful in order to learn shared lessons and develop best practice in the face of what are most often shared challenges. This initial episode is going to start by exploring the threat landscape, assessing what exactly we're up against in terms of building that resilience and exploring how the threats are evolving in light of both geopolitical conflict and technological advance. I'm delighted to be joined by Ismail Valenzuela, Vice President at BlackBerry. Ismail leads across threat research, intelligence and defensive innovation. A security professional in numerous projects across the globe for 20 plus years um, means we can take a step back here looking at that global context. Part of his team's work includes producing the BlackBerry Global Threat Intelligence Report on a quarterly basis, which seems a logical place to start. But before we jump straight into that, uh, I wanted to give Ismail the chance to introduce himself. So. Hello Ismail, hope, hope you're well and uh, over to you. Do you want to outline a bit more about yourself and your role at BlackBerry? Hello Dan, very happy to be here with uh, with you today. Yes, well, you, you provided a very good intro. Um, as you said, I lead the threat research and intelligence team at BlackBerry. And uh, well, that translates into uh, you know what we do. What we do is we track uh, attackers, we track their motivations, we track their behaviors their campaigns uh, and their tools, right? I like to call them weapons uh, with the aim of improving cyber defense and uh, helping defenders to uh, use the, the weapons that they have as well, right, in the best possible way. Absolutely, so jumping into that kind of threat that we see, uh, as I mentioned at the outset, the, the BlackBerry Global Threat Intelligence Report provides a useful quarterly snapshot, if you like, of what that landscape looks like. I wonder in the latest version of that, what stands out for you? Yeah, so we, as you said, this is a quarterly report and uh, we, we used to do like an annual one. Uh, a lot of vendors still do this, but uh, we believe that annual is not enough, right? If, we, if we're talking about threats, uh, if we're trying to help our customers to to know what's happening out there and, and, and the general industry, we need to be more agile we need to be fast because attackers are fast too and uh, that's why we started to do this uh, quarterly and this is the third issue that we have done in this particular way uh, we we published the first one in january this year and you know we're very happy that it's quickly becoming a, a quick reference in the in the industry we've had a lot of coverage a lot of organizations using this and uh, even recently we saw uh, our report being used in senate in in the u.s uh, by one of the members, like talking about critical attacks against critical infrastructure. So, just a little bit of background on on that. Uh, but yeah, going into the this issue of the report, uh, we have been seeing this trend, and and uh, the trend is that attackers are using more attacks right per minute, more malware samples per minute. Uh, in this one, we talk about a thirteen percent increase from the uh, previous reporting period. 
So what that shows is that attackers are also using automation, right? They're using, they're improving their tooling. They're trying to bypass defensive controls, and especially those that are based on legacy technology, where uh, there's still a lot of endpoints that are basically trying to defend against uh, samples or malware uh, based on their hashes, based on their signatures or their fingerprint. And uh, attackers know these, and they try to bypass that. Uh, the other thing that I would like to highlight, and there's lots of things in that report, right, that you you have seen, but one of the things that we uh, highlight uh, always is uh, how is this affecting geolocations and industries. In this one, we focus on on healthcare and government, and specifically with with government, we have seen a 40% increase in cyber attacks targeting uh, public services sector, government agencies, and this is not just like large government agencies in many cases it's just local uh government agencies as well that they may not have the the, the means uh or uh, the budgets of the large organizations and and you know over a a quarter a 40 percent increase is very uh, uh significant we stopped about fifty-five thousand individual attacks uh in this period i wonder if we could Touching on that 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 government piece there, I wonder if we could just take a step back and, and look at where that threat's coming from. So in in a UK context, we we've had recently the Deputy Prime Minister talking about the threat from Russian aligned or, or Russian sympathetic groups. Do we see the evidence of that in this report? Is is that the, are those the groups that are targeting uh, public sector organisations on the whole? That's a very good question. And obviously, part of what we do, uh, we talk about threat research and intelligence, right? Uh, that that question is typically answered by by our intelligence team, where we we look at the, the, the geopolitics, we look at the context, what's happening in the world, because there's always a motivation, right, for this tax, either it's typically, right, it comes down to either financial uh, motivation or some geopolitical motivation, espionage, or uh, trying to gain some type of uh, advantage, you know, knowledge of, uh, um, you know, an organization to to achieve certain objective. And since you mentioned, um, you know, Ukraine and the the the, the war, uh, this is something we've seen everywhere. And in this report, we talk about this group called Romcom, which we have been covering uh, extensively over the last few months. And yes, we see this group, we, we don't say specifically who it is, right? But we can say uh, for sure that they're aligned uh, with uh, Russian objectives, right? And why do we say that? Because of the timing and when we see these attacks and because of the targets that they're, 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 they're the victims are targeting. For example, in this report, we talk about uh, this group, Romcom, targeting medical entities, healthcare organizations based in the U.S. that not coincidentally, right, they're providing humanitarian aid to refugees from Ukraine. Um, and we have seen constantly a lot of campaigns aligned to aligned to that. In this report, we talk a little bit about it, but we also, I also recommend uh, the, uh, uh, the listeners to this uh, Tech UK podcast to also have a look at our blogs on blackberry.com because we have a lot of articles that we publish reports on a on a weekly basis pretty much covering these type of uh, threats well that's great and, and and another thing that struck me when reading the report is is we often talk about the scale of cyber threats and and the 
the sheer numbers are, are often staggering. So so much so that maybe we fail to explain what the tangible threat is to organisations or to individuals. Have you seen over the last year or so the severity or, or damage caused by individual incidents change for organisations, whether in, in public or private sectors? Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, what I usually say these days is that attackers are more laser focused than ever in impact. Uh, they want to create havoc. They want to be noticeable. And especially if we're looking at ransomware, for example, right? Ransomware was one of those things that changed uh, the game in that the impact is it's very tangible. It makes it real. Recently, right, we, we saw these uh, 16 hospitals that were targeted by ransomware. And some of these hospitals were forced to divert ambulances to other healthcare facilities. Uh, that translates into you know appointments being cancelled. Uh, clinics are not being able to to deal with patients, and as we know, this translates into into uh, um, you know maybe lives being lost or or it affects the individual, right? The citizen. We've seen similar things with uh, local government agencies, as I mentioned before, being forced to close, uh, uh, shut down operations and close the the, the services that are providing the citizens because they they cannot operate. Their network. Uh, we've seen um, big, uh, um, since you are in the media business, right? Uh, news uh, outlets or media outlets being shut down because they couldn't operate and they're being targeted on a Sunday, right? When we know that they're preparing all the all the news and everything to go to go uh, uh, on the on the press on a Monday morning. So they're always focused on creating havoc. Uh, in the case of hospitals or, or government, it's very easy. They may not have big budgets, as we mentioned before, and the impact is very noticeable. They have also the pressure of being able to restore operations. That translates into probably them paying the the, the, the ransom, which is something that these financially motivated attackers want. But even if we look at um, all the type of attacks where attackers are leveraging vulnerabilities, right? We, we looked at the move IT transfer product and obviously this has been patched but a lot of organizations may have not been patched in time and we've seen this club ransomware gang uh breaching hundreds thousands of organizations worldwide taking advantage of these um this vulnerability phishing campaigns right the use of uh, automation um and, and even ai to assist uh, uh the bad guys to create these phishing attacks and make them more real this is all like translating into a bigger impact. And it's, it's really interesting taking that kind of global perspective that you've got in your role. From from our perspective at Tech UK, we're often concerned most about large-scale attacks on UK government departments or critical national infrastructure. Is that what you see in all all regions around the globe? Is, is that the, the biggest concern for, for most organisations? Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. Um, definitely, it's the biggest concern, right? Critical infrastructure uh, attacks against uh, power grids. Against again, we have seen this, and we have seen this like many years ago, but not at the scale that we, you know, um, we 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 fear that could happen. Um, the the thing is that the, the fact that an attacker has a possibility of doing something doesn't always mean that they're going to be doing it, right? And and that's what I always encourage organizations to start looking at their threat model because you cannot defend against everything. And attackers, they have a motivation and they have certain capabilities. So you have to look at the intersection of these two things. Just because an attacker 
has a capability doesn't mean they're going to do something. Just because they can do something doesn't mean they're going to do it. So um, uh, I understand that, you know, from a end user perspective, uh, for those that are not like tracking this on a, on a daily basis, it's it's overwhelming. And that's another problem, right? We have limited capabilities as defenders, a limited time to deal with these things. So what what do we do? And, and that's what um, I think that organizations are maturing to understand that they need to have that type of threat model where they look at, okay, this is what my organization does. I'm a government or I'm in uh, manufacturing, I'm in retail, I'm in finance, I'm a hospital, right? Or, or in the healthcare industry. What are the threats that, that are applicable to my industry, to my vertical? And then what are what uh, are the threats that are applicable to my geolocation as well? Because what we see in the UK is different from what we see in the, in, in the US, or it's different from what we see in Latin America or in Asia Pacific. We have really interesting attacks that we're seeing in Southeast Asia. Why? Because the geopolitics are different. We, we have seen uh, recently manufacturing companies that have uh, uh, been uh, attacked with malware that it has this um, uh, capability called geofencing. What it means is that it's only going to be detonated out of a specific location, specific geography. Why? Because obviously the attacker wants to constrain uh, or limit the scope of that attack that a specific organization in that specific location. And we know there are certain threat actors, um, government, you know, sponsored in most cases that are very interested in targeting manufacturing companies in Southeast Asia, like Taiwan, for example, right? So there's always a connection there. And, and that's what we encourage uh, organizations to build their threat model so they can focus on something specific versus just trying to, you know, cover or worry about every single threat out there. Absolutely. And having access to a report like this is obviously an important step for organizations in in developing that maturity so so these types of report obviously have an important wider use case you know around intelligence sharing and collaboration do you think we do enough of that as a sector and and how might we improve that kind of collaboration and intelligence sharing going forward that's another good question. I can tell you that I've been doing cybersecurity even before it was cyber, right? We call it information security. <laughs> you probably remember that. And um, I've seen a lot more collaboration happening over the years. And what we do now, uh, for example, as BlackBerry, we we collaborate with a lot of law enforcement agencies around the world and governments uh, here in the U.S. with, uh, uh, you know, CISA. Uh, they've been amplifying some of our reports and we have a, a direct channel with them. Same in the U.K., Canada, many of the other countries that we do business with, and um, we, we we share that information timely, right? Obviously, with our customers that have access to our products, uh, our threat intelligence subscription as well. But we we do feel that we have a responsibility, and and sharing timely information is is part of that. But the other thing is, from an M organization perspective, is to realize that security is not like binary, it's not like digital, it's not like zero or one. And there's still a lot of that in the industry. Uh, this week we have, you know, Black Hat going on. Uh, we have uh, uh, shows like RSA and others. And sometimes we see organizations, even CISOs, going to these shows and saying, what's the next product I need to buy? And yes, products are like the weapons, like the tools defenders have. But there's still this concept of, oh, if I deploy this, I'm gonna be protected, right? That's all I need to do. And it's not like that. I always say security 
cybersecurity, it's not digital. It's it's analog. There's a lot of knobs that we have to adjust, and there's monitoring that we have to do 24-7. Most organizations cannot afford to do 24-7 monitoring. So it's like physical security, right? Do you have your security cameras? Are you, who's watching those security cameras? Who can alert you to uh, to do something and take response? And, you know, protection obviously is very important. We also need to stack detection response on top of that. And that's why cybersecurity, it's, it's complex. And um, that's what we're trying to help our business, our customers with. And obviously the, the work that you and your team does underpins and informs the, the wider BlackBerry offering and, and role as one of those key cyber vendors in this space. Uh, I wonder if you could summarize the, the wider mission of the company. Yes, and, and that's a question that we usually get asked all the, all the time, like people uh, still associate BlackBerry with mobile devices. And what I usually say is like, look, we, we were in the business of uh, securing communications, mobile communications, mobile devices. We still do that because we still still have the BlackBerry uh, software on my phone. It's protecting my communications, my data on my phone, but we're also protecting the Internet of Things. Uh, all of these devices are connected to each other. We're talking about over 500 million endpoints uh, that we protect at BlackBerry from robotic uh, uh, neurosurgical devices to satellites to over 235 million vehicles. That's something a lot of people actually don't, don't, don't know. Um, so BlackBerry's mission is about protecting not just users, right, but devices, their, their endpoints, whatever they are, IoT devices, building intelligent security into it and leveraging artificial intelligence now taking it to like the uh more like the traditional not traditional but the the, the endpoint cybersecurity world um blackberry acquired silence and silence launched in 2016 the very first ai cybersecurity solution we were the first ones building predictive cybersecurity solutions uh today actually uh, at, at black hat we are announcing Black Hat US, we're announcing uh, that we have uh, um, issued the, the the next generation of this AI engine that is able to uh, predict 40 more, 40 percent more of these uh, malware or threats uh, compared to previous uh, versions, and that's what we're using to protect uh, governments, protect organizations worldwide with this uh, predictive advantage that helps us to anticipate what our customers are going to, to see in the field, not only with online um, agents, but also in an offline fashion, which is so important in many organizations, especially critical infrastructure, right? Manufacturing plants, et cetera. Absolutely. So you, you've mentioned there uh, a lot of the kind of key emerging technologies that, that Tech UK looks at across, not just the, the cyber domain, but across technology as a whole. Um, and, and, as you can imagine, in, in the UK, it's it's AI that everyone's currently talking about. I wonder if, from a sectoral perspective, do you have sectors that are requiring more advice and and more solutions? Is there a, a particular sector or area that that the business is growing into most quickly at the moment? Yes. So I talked about IoT before, and uh, as as you know, the number of smart devices are growing. There's some uh, 
uh, a bigger need, right, for building these type of engines. But also, they they need to be nimble enough, right? Because when we're talking when we're talking about IoT devices, we're not looking at you know very powerful. Uh, uh, computers like the ones we have in our desktop or laptops. So they have to be nimble. They have to be able to work, you know, offline. They're not always connected to the internet. And uh, that's a very growing uh, market for, for us. We have, uh, uh, you know, customers, you know, government, critical infrastructure, manufacturing uh, all over all over the world. And we help them to roll out these AI agents uh, automatically into these into these devices. But we also help them to monitor what's coming out of those, right? The telemetry, looking at, with the knowledge that we have of the attackers, trying to anticipate what attackers can do and help them to detect and react fast to any uh, deviations from, from normal. So uh, on top of all of this technology, there's also people, right? And we have uh, an offering called Silence Guard that uh, essentially does that, right? Helps you to to augment the uh, capabilities that the organization may have by providing 24-7 monitoring detection response on top of uh, these AI uh, engines. I'm glad you mentioned people because I wanted to finish with a couple of questions focused on the role of individuals. Quite often we see this huge focus on on the technology, but, but for us, people and processor are absolutely vital for any successful cyber mitigation. I, I wonder what are your broader thoughts on the role of individuals in this space? Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, I'm a big proponent of that. I've always said that, we've always said, right, that uh, security, it's about people, technology, and, and, and processes. But uh, as I also mentioned before, it's true that sometimes we're just too focused on the uh, shining object, right? The, 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 the tool, the new product, the new technology, and that's cool. But I'm a big... A uh, fan of the the human machine teaming uh, strategy, where yes, we have AI, we have all of these advances in, in advances in, in technology, but a human plus this technology, it's always going to be better right, than any machine by itself or any human without assisted. That's not assisted by machines by itself. So that's why I say that the, the combination between the human and the machine, it's it's very powerful. Um, AI gives us the ability to predict, to anticipate, uh, but we also need to learn how to use these tools in the most effective way because on the other side, there's no machines, right? On the other side, the attackers are, are the threat actors are people and they have a motivation, as we said before. They go to work in the same way that we, we do. They, they uh, stand in front of their computers, you know, 9 a.m., whatever time zone it is, or 8 a.m., and they start working on their objectives, on their targets. So we need to have this in, in mind. And, um, and, and, and the humans, you know, make machines better. We, I just talked to you about, you know, how we're improving constantly our AI models. That's based on our knowledge of the adversary. And that requires threat researchers. So that's what my team does, right? We have a bunch of threat researchers, people uh, that come from a diverse background that we have in different locations. Not only people that understand the language, but they actually live in these countries. So we have people uh, uh, in Asia Pacific, we have people in uh, Latin America, uh, in North America, in, in Europe, in the UK, in Ireland, in different places so we can have a context, a cultural context on what's going on into each of these places. Now, we talked about healthcare, for example. The healthcare system in the UK is very different from the healthcare system in the US and very different from the healthcare system in India or in other countries, right? So if you're tracking threats against healthcare, you need to know how that how the system works, how how the uh, organizations work, and what are the geopolitical um, uh, context 
uh, around around those. Sure. So something that we're short of in cyber, and not just in the UK but internationally, is diversity. Um, and again, we perhaps focus too much on the stats here. I know BlackBerry have done a great deal of work in in this space, but I wonder if you could talk to the value of building more diverse teams in this space. Yes, absolutely. Um, we're big, you know, believers in in that. As I mentioned before, we have people from all sort of backgrounds, all sort of uh, national nationalities uh, that speak, you know, multiple languages. And the reality is that what we do is essentially investigations. We do research. You're, you're investigating, and to have an inves uh, investigative approach, you need to be able to ask the right questions, and that requires. In order to have a good investigation, uh, investigative team, you need to have that diversity because otherwise you fall into like the trap of uh, 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 being biased and just like looking at everything from the same the same lens, the same angle. And when you do investigations, there's not always a playbook to follow. That's why we usually say it's as much a, a an art as it is a science. So obviously there is there's a lot of science that you need to you need to learn to be there, but that. That are that comes from, uh, you know, the people that have different views. Like we, well, we have an internship program that we 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 love because we we regularly meet with these new, new young folks and and we ask them questions like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And sometimes it's just like, and I've been doing this for twenty three years. It's like, whoa, I never thought about that. That's awesome. And that's a beautiful thing about what we what we do. And diversity is very important there. And you mentioned at the start of the podcast how you um, kind of came up in the space, as it were. It wasn't even cyber. It wasn't even cybersecurity. Yet. It was information security. I wonder if, kind of looking back, what, what what advice would you offer to any colleagues looking to begin a career in this space? Um, what what would stand them in good stead for success? You know, um, I've talked a lot about this over the years, and I think it comes down to, to a couple of things. First is curiosity. And that's what led me into, into this. I was just, you know, I liked computer science. I just liked computers. And I liked computers because I thought it was fascinating that you could write code and ask the computer to do things. And then, you know, it was like limitless what you could do with computers. And that led me into, oh, uh, learning about the internet, right? Networking. So it was curiosity, like in the sense of a, you know, the, the word, I think we've lost the meaning of that word, right? Hackers many years ago, right? But the original hackers coming from the MIT in the 50s, uh, people looking at how things worked. That's that's what motivated me when I started. Like, I wanted to learn how things worked. And eventually that led me into, you know, how can somebody get into a computer? And, and that led me into building one of the first consultancies, uh, security consulting uh, firms in Spain in the early in the year 2000s. And that was the, the, I think that's the main, that's one of those two things is, is curiosity. The other one is not being afraid of taking up a challenge. And when somebody says like, can you do this? You may have not done that before, but you think you can figure it out, right? So it's like, you know what? Yes, I'll do it. I'll figure it out. Then you will probably have, you know, the, all the, the, the typical human reaction, like, oh, why did I say yes? You know, how am I going to be able to do that? But then you just, you know, 
get yourself to work and do your research and start working. Nobody has all the answers, but if you if you have the the the, the will, if you're willing to put the time and the energy, the effort into figuring out how to do something, and you have that curiosity, right? Those two things, uh, you're going to be successful no matter what. Thanks, Ismail. And I'm afraid that's all we've got all we've got time for today. But it's been an absolute pleasure um, to discuss um, all these questions with you. Um, we, we'll be delighted in a few weeks' time to have Baldeep Dogra, one of your colleagues and a senior director in in the product space, for the, for the next one of these podcasts. But I wonder, keen to give you the final word. So I wonder if you, for for listeners, have you got any key takeaway that you'd like people to walk away from today's podcast with? Well, what I would say is uh, have a look at our website at blackberry.com. If you go to uh, the uh, cybersecurity section, you can see you know what we do there in the threat research team. We're very active on you know LinkedIn or on Twitter, so you can interact with us. If you have questions, let us know. Join our you know live sessions. We we always love to to get questions from the from the audience and answer those questions. And if there's something that you feel that you know you would like to learn uh, or us to talk more about. So we'll be very happy to 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 take that. Brilliant. And, and what we'll do is we'll make sure that some of that material, including the the threat report, will be either in the comments or on the associated web pages. Um, but yeah, thanks again, uh, and, and great to see you. Thank you, Dan.